Welcome back to Dating After Death, a podcast dedicated to the journey of finding love again after losing your forever person. And I'm your not-so-anonymous host. Before we get started today, I just want to remind everybody that we're sponsored by BetterHelp, which means if you choose to go with their online therapy, that you would get 10% off of your first month's membership. So you would do that by using this link, betterhelp.com slash datingafterdeath, and that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Online therapy, easy, convenient, available, flexible, really seems like a no-brainer. So check out BetterHelp. Today's guest has been through a lot already. After the death of her husband, which happened by suicide in 2020, she has been in a serious relationship. She's broken up. She has dated online. And she has a lot of insights and takeaways that I think you're going to want to hear. Christina has become a good friend of mine. We have walked through a lot of this together. I mean, just through Instagram DMs like I'm sure so many of you are doing, we've become really good friends through Instagram, which is a wild reality, but is the case. I've seen Christina's joy and her heartbreak in a very real way. And damn, am I grateful to have her. Those of you who I message with regularly so that I don't feel alone in this. Sometimes I can get caught up in that, you know, with talking to my family or talking to my friends or trying to make sense of all of this, it has been just instrumental for me to talk to those of you who are walking this too. And then to be able to do this podcast where I can hear your stories, essentially I'm just ridiculously grateful for all of you and for this community filled with some amazingly incredible humans. So I'm so glad you're here. Let's get to the conversation with me and Christina. Call a type A minus. Full on type A plus. So for those listening, Christina came with seven pages of notes prepared. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's talk dating. Side note to that, my son is homesick and I was like, I have this podcast I'm going to do, you know, he's like, well, what is it? What is it about? And I'm like, well, it's called dating after death. It's for widows. And and to talk about dating, he's like, but why? You're not even dating. Oh. <laughs> what a stinker. I'm like, yes, good point. Also, why I'm going on there. Thanks for pointing that out. (laughs) All right. Well, let's start with your story with Eric. Okay. Um, So Eric and I met in the summer of 1999. Um, We were both camp counselors at a summer camp that we both grew up going to. Cute. We had instant attraction. So I got out of the car to come start the pre-camp. And he said to his friend, Looks like that one's going to be trouble, basically. So um, there was definitely instant attraction there. I was 18. He was 20. We developed a friendship. Um, The girls in the the camp immediately pull all the young girls to the side and say, you know, who do you have a crush on? Who do you like? Yeah, of course. Um, And of course, right away, I said, well, Eric. And they said, well, you know, go ahead and get in line because he's definitely got other people into him and... (laughs) Um, they didn't know that I was of the line, according to those girls. Exactly. (laughs) So I'm like, I was high school valedictorian and I'm going to win. Just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) So we had our first kiss at the end of that summer. Um, (laughs) we definitely didn't start dating right away. I was going off to college. He was going to work at Yosemite national park after that summer. So we just kind of went in different directions, but had mutual friends and stayed in touch. 
And then eventually, about 2002, he moved away to South Carolina to start working for a band. He was an audio engineer uh, touring for a band. And we started calling each other and talking on the phone. Eventually, I made the seven-hour drive to South Carolina with my MapQuest directions. (laughs) Printed out? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No cell phone. Nobody knew where I was. was Oh, my gosh. Um, but yeah, so we started dating in 2002 and just kind of never looked back. We were long distance several times. And then eventually I moved closer to where he was for part of my med school. He moved in, we got engaged in 2008, married in 2009. So we were married for about 10 years, um, but together for 18. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that's like your, how you met and got married story, but how would you describe your marriage? So our marriage was, we were just best friends um, because we had grown up together. Um, He was hilarious and just, he was such a playful person, a playful husband, you know, and that Mm -hmm. of course went on to being a great dad. We just had fun together. Um, He was a very creative person. He was into music. Um, He was always going around the house, like singing silly songs and doing silly (laughs) dances. And which is, you know, me being a very type A plus person, um, he, <laughs> you know, made me stop and smell the roses and not take things so serious. He used to say, if I would get stressed out about an upcoming, you know, birthday party or whatever was going on, he would be like, you know, this is the dance, mama, this is the dance, you got to slow down and enjoy the dance. Mm. Oh, um, and so he really just helped balance me out and in all the ways that I needed. Um, yeah. And I think me for him too, kept him on track and made his little to-do list. So he was a stay-at-home dad. Once I started my career, he loved that. I mean, when I was in residency, our daughter was born. I went back to work when the baby was six weeks old wow. and I had these full, this full schedule written out for him, all the details, <laughs> all the notes. <laughs> all he had to do was follow it. <laughs> he never changed a diaper before, you know, becoming a stay-at-home dad with a six-week-old. Um, but he That's just brave. jumped right in. I mean, he he loved it. He wanted to do it. He loved the bond that he had with our daughter and then our son eventually. You know, he just fully embraced that role and, and was proud of it. We were proud of our our routine, our flow that we had. You know, I would get home yeah. from work and I would want to take over the child care duties and play with the kids and he would cook dinner and we would play music and sing and, mm-hmm. um, you know, Sounds we pretty just dreamy. had a really good, good life. Yeah, yeah it, it was. So I know you've done a little bit of like advocacy for what happens around those who die by suicide. So are you mm-hmm. open to talking a little bit about how it ended? Of course. Okay. Yes. So Eric was a super happy, positive person. I mean, if you were to talk to any of our friends, family, um, you would never think that he had a sad day in his life. Um, and, but, and was open with his feelings and emotions. He was the friend that everybody always called to mm-hmm. get as they were going through divorce and having kids. And he was just everybody's best friend. Everybody loved Eric. In 2016, he had an episode of, I would call it almost like acute panic attacks for the first time. And because he was never depressed or anxious, he had no idea like what these feelings were, you know, like kind of this sudden anxiety that was coming upon him that he didn't 
have any coping skills for any tools. Um, you know, we thought maybe there was a medical problem because it was just so unlike him to feel yeah. that it was so unlike him to want to retreat and not, you know, be involved and, and just feel so off. Um, and so he ended up kind of going through therapy, um, getting some help at that time. He tried medication at that time, but he definitely reacted in 2016 to medication. He didn't sleep for days, got really jittery, had mm. the brain zaps, just not making him feel well, came off of it. And so, you know, he went to therapy and he got coping skills and tools and he felt better. He was able to get himself out of that feeling, exercise, you know, kind of all the standard things. Yeah. Um, and then from 2017 to 2020, he felt great. I mean, back to his normal self. Um, we bought our dream house. He would walk around all the time saying how much he loved his life, the kids, our house. He was like, you know, my twenties were fun, but these are the best years of my life. Mm. I love you guys so much. I love the kids. I love our life. I love the community yeah. we've built. Um, and then at the end of February of 2020, he started having those feelings again. You know, there was, the news was starting to circulate about COVID we were supposed to go on a family ski trip um, for the kids' spring break, March of 2020. And he was like, man, I'm just feeling really anxious. I don't want to go away and feel like this. I don't know what to do. I don't want to disappoint you and the kids. He said, maybe I should try to go back on a medication. Yeah. Um, he wanted to feel better. He wanted to get help. He said, you know, this is the next right thing to do. I want to try to be present for you and the kids and, and yeah. get this medicine on board before the trip. He's like, do you think it'll help me? And, you know, it's so hard to be a physician and a wife. Mm -hmm. um, so playing that role of wife is what I felt like I needed to do in that moment. And I said, yes, mm -hmm. go see somebody, you know, and, and let's try it and see what happens. Um, so he went to a primary care. He got prescribed um, the generic of Lexapro on a Friday. He took his first dose on Friday night. And on Monday, he died by suicide. Mm -hmm. um, and I just know with all of my heart that that medicine was the tipping point for him. Yeah. You know, I think the medication caused his suicide. Yeah. Um, yeah. That seemed pretty clear in your letter that you wrote. It's a known side effect of SSRIs. Um, I, you know, I have such a hard time with it because I know that SSRIs can dramatically help people. I don't want to um, keep people from trying those medications if they need them. The whole point mm -hmm. of my advocacy is to bring awareness to the fact that suicidal thoughts and suicide can occur when starting those medicines, when changing the dose of those medications, when coming off of those medications. So patients need to be counseled on that. Um, yeah. When I asked him on Friday, what did they go over as far as side effects? He said, oh, you know, weight gain and decreased libido, but I can deal with all that if I, you know, feel better. And I yeah. don't think suicide was mentioned to him. Mm. Um, I didn't mention it to him. And I think if he had had it in his head that this was the medicine making him feel like this and not how he really felt, I yeah. think he might still be here. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing, obviously there's nothing good to say about that. I just, I know from knowing you that it brings up things that I don't have to deal with. And 
I just, I know it complicates a lot of the after for you guys as a family. Yeah. The guilt with suicide is, is such a heavy burden. It's such a heavy burden to carry. I mean, that's what I spent the first year just working on was trying to take on less of the responsibility of his death. Yeah. You know, the what ifs, the should haves, the how comes, just all the things that you go through on an hourly basis after a loss like that is, is, is torture. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. So was most of the first year, would you say you were focused on yourself and your family? Yes. Before you started sort of venturing out back into the world? Yes. So he died March 9th, 2020, and then the whole world shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I was in shock. We were processing this devastating, horrible thing. And then I had to turn around and homeschool. Oh my God. Like what? <laughs> oh like you want me to do what? <laughs> so, you know, I'm homeschooling during my month off that I took from taking care of patients during a pandemic. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people say, and I, I'm right there with them. I don't remember a lot of the first six months. Yeah. Um, but yes, I just, I knew right away I wanted to be as honest with my kids um, about what happened, which was met with all kinds of opinions and judgment mm-hmm. and um, outside um, opinion, Most mostly met with love. But there were definitely people that didn't think I needed to tell my children. They were eight and five at the time about how their mm-hmm. dad died. I mean, he was their best friend. He stayed home with them. He took them to everything. Like I could not tell them. Yeah, of course. He would have to like perpetuate this lie sort of consistently. Like that just doesn't feel healthy. No. And we live in a very small town. We live on an island. (laughs) I mean, the people are going to talk and know and and find out. So I I just didn't want to take that approach at all. So we had to learn how to use the word suicide and learn how to discuss it and learn, you know, so yes, the whole first year was just dig into their counseling, my counseling, come up with a new normal. I depended on Eric so much for taking them to school, taking them to all their sports. Um, I mean, he was everything, um, to our family cooking. I mean, I hate cooking. (laughs) 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 What the heck? Yeah. So yeah, so we had to come up kind of with a new normal. I went back to work, kind of maybe three quarters capacity. I still want to, I took them to school every morning and picked them up every day. I wanted to do that for a while just to be present and be there. It was actually a a silver lining. I think having the pandemic that they didn't have to go back to school right away and face all of the questions. And so we got to just kind of get through the summer um, Mm -hmm. before they went back to the classroom. I just really have tried to focus on the three of our relationship and just forming such a strong bond for the three of us. Yeah. I think that that ultimately is going to be what keeps us healthy. Yeah, absolutely. So when did you feel like, when or how did you start percolating the idea of another man in your life? So really, it just was not even on my radar. I mean, I would joke about it. Oh, when I get on the dating apps and things like that, but it (laughs) just, I just, didn't I was so deep in grief I didn't have the capacity for it in that first yeah. year. And then so May of 2021 we had his celebration of life. And I was able to that really helped a lot. It helped ease my heart. It helped, you know, just seeing how many people showed up helped me feel like he was forgiven. I was forgiven. Yeah. Just these deep feelings that I needed to get 
through. And then I decided to take two nights by myself at the beginning of June at that same property that we had a celebration of life at. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went down there by myself um, for two nights. I was reading the book Option B by um, Sheryl Sandberg. Yeah. Which is a great book. I was like, all right, I can, I can do this, you know? So I was like, let me try to figure out how to download one of these apps. <laughs> so she talks about dating in the book because I know she's remarried. Yes. Yes. Okay, so Option B is her book about finding option B. <laughs> okay. Um, so it talks about her husband's death and then it talks about, um, about her dating and all the judgment and criticism that she got as a widow. And, um, sure. but also, you know, trying to incorporate a new love in her life. So yeah, I started, you know, I downloaded the, I think I downloaded and deleted, downloaded and deleted, you know, <laughs> all in like a 24 hour period. <laughs> I was like, oh no, I can't do this. Okay. And then, so I think I downloaded match and, hinge at first me too I started taking these selfies and I'm like what (laughs) (laughs) how do you create these profiles I don't know yeah and so I did I think I put myself out there that weekend on the dating apps and I started messaging with some local guy after a couple weeks on I don't remember which one it was we set up a date and so it was my first date it was like at the end of June of 2021 Um, you know, I was so nervous. I didn't, I had friends coming over, like helping me decide what to wear. (laughs) We were just going to go to a brewery. So the one dress I had, my friend was like, um, you look like a mom. Oh no. (laughs) But I am. She's like, put on this see-through shirt. (laughs) I don't think like you look like a mom is intended to be a compliment. (laughs) It could be. Mom's going to be hot. Right. But she was like, no, no. <laughs> okay. So I had wardrobe changes. I had people texting me, you know, my cousin was like, you need to share your location. I need to know where you are. You know, yeah. everybody was definitely like pumping me up and getting me excited and excited for me. And um, mm-hmm. anyway, so it was a great first date. The guy was very nice. We went to a brewery. We talked for several hours, super easy. And we texted for a couple more days after that. And because I live on a very small island, I can find out anything about anybody in about 10 minutes. Oh. <laughs> and so, and everybody's interconnected and it's yeah. just a little bizarre, um, especially with my job and kind of being a more public person in town. Yeah. Um, um, so I figured out who he was and who his ex-wife was, and I didn't have any true personal connection to her, but I found out shortly that maybe he wasn't the nicest person. So anyways, we texted it and then I just, and I wasn't that interested in him, but it was like the easiest first date. And it was definitely the perfect segue to, to trying to get out there and do this. You know, when I broke things off with him, he was kind about it and wasn't, wait, you wait, know, what did you say? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I looked you up. I sleuthed yes. and you do not meet the grade. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but I should have. So I basically just said, after texting for a few days, like, I like to use the I'm not ready a lot. I don't think I'm ready. Yep. (laughs) It's an easy, I feel like it's an easy out. And it's just, um, and to be honest, I probably wasn't. And I was just trying to force it a little bit. But I I, I just knew I wasn't into him. It's like the widow version of it's not you, it's me. Oh, yes. A thousand percent. (laughs) It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So that was like, yeah, first date. And I did it. And I was proud and not ready. And Weird, because two weeks later, no. <laughs> oh, two weeks. So, so two weeks later, I got on the first date. I was happy I'd gotten that 
kind of done and still on the apps and just looking around. Um, and I got a phone call from a friend in town, a very distraught phone call saying that a woman in town had died by suicide the night before. And so this was at the beginning of July and I, she was like, you may, you may know the person. And I did. She was an acquaintance, somebody I definitely knew well enough to stop and talk to in Publix. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I would consider her a decent acquaintance. Um, and so I was very upset to learn, you know, that, you know, she had died by suicide. I knew she knew about Eric and I was like, you know, no, like why, how, you know, no. Um, and so the person was calling me to tell me that the person had died, but then she was also saying, you know, her husband and 11 year old daughter are obviously struggling and, um, you know, do you mind helping? Um, And I was like, of course, you know, like I was super upset to learn about it, but I was like, of course, I'll talk to whoever, I'll give whatever advice I have to give. It had been, you know, maybe 16 months since Eric had died at that point, was in no means an expert, but had read a ton of books at that point and kind of knew the language to use to children and and various things like that. So I said, of course. So that same day, uh, the woman's husband called me, it was the day after his wife died, (laughs) basically our conversation started with just sobbing. Both of us were just sobbing mm-hmm. on the phone to each other. After I got out, the, I'm so sorry. And I, I knew your wife and I'm so sorry. The next thing I told him was, you know, your daughter is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just, you know, of course cried through that and was like, you know, he was just so scared. He didn't know how to talk to his daughter about it. He didn't want to tell his daughter about it. Um, Mm. And he just said, you know, I need your help with this. Can you come talk to me tomorrow? And so we spent a while talking on the phone that day. And then the next day I went to where all of the family was gathering and everything. And I never met him before. Anyways, so we sat again together and cried for an hour and a half together. And, you know, he kind of went through more of the story and how do you approach this with a kid and and not ruin the rest of their lives. And, Mm. um, you know, all I could do was tell him what I had done, um, and how I thought that honesty was really the best thing and counseling was really the best thing. Um, and kind of to just face it head on to the community because we live in such a small area. And so he and I have mutual friends and, and, you know, people were glad to see me show up and help because they know I had kind of been open and honest with it. And so he and I became quick friends um, Mm -hmm. through this intense, you know, vulnerable experience. We started texting every day, just kind of grew pretty close in a short period of time. I helped him through some of the funeral arrangements um, Mm -hmm. or just processing that, you know, what to do, how to approach it. And so we started to hang out more frequently. Um, Mm -hmm. I went back to work after the next week. And one of the girls at work were like, you guys are going to start dating. And I was like, what? No, mm-hmm. like, no, no, no. You hadn't <laughs> this thought is about somebody it? I'm helping. He just lost his wife. Did I think about dating him? Yeah. Honestly, right at first I was like, no, you know, I really was like, no, this is something I'm doing as a friend. I feel like it'd be super out of bounds to even think about that. No was my response. Yeah. You had guardrails on the relationship. Right. I just, I knew that he and his daughter were going to need time to process things. Like for me, it took me a year and 
couple months to even think about that. So I just yeah. couldn't imagine thinking about that that early on. He started inviting me to, you know, hang out with him and his daughter, mutual friends. And I said, yes, I just kept showing up. Um, and then one day we had planned to take the kids. He really wanted his daughter to have um, friends that had kind of been through something similar. Um, and oh, yeah. so we we're like, let's hang out with the kids one day and, and get them to become friends. That'll be really helpful for everybody. Yeah. Um, and so we planned to go out on the boat and I was like packing stuff up and I was like, I think I have butterflies. Like, I think I'm getting mm. a little nervous. Mm. <laughs> like, oh no. I'm like, what does this mean? Mm. And again, I'm like, nope, nope, nope. So uh, for sure, we both were attracted to each other. Um, we both admitted later that we both had butterflies that day, um, that mm. we were nervous to hang out around each other. And But that day we went out on the boat, the kids met, had fun, um, went tubing. Yeah, and it was just a good overall bond. It was fun to be around a man that was giving me attention, mm -hmm. um, that I felt some sort of attraction for, you know, yeah. even though I was trying to kind of block those feelings initially and then things just kind of progressed. Um, we definitely started hanging out more, you know, with just adults and then with kids as well. Um, and then about six weeks into things, we had our first kiss. Mm, I was going to say, when are we going to get to the good yes. stuff? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that progressed. <laughs> and we're both like, okay, I guess we're going to do this. You know, our feelings are there. And and again, I, I questioned it because I'm like, is it just, is he just grieving? Does he want to fill that void of having a family and a wife? Um, but, you know, we... We definitely had an attraction and feelings for each other. We shared all this vulnerable stuff. I mean, he was not a person that was comfortable discussing his feelings. So early on when I was asked to come meet with him and help him, his friends were all like, he is not going to tell you anything. Hmm. <laughs> He's, you know, he does not do feelings, basically. He doesn't like hard feelings. He wants to run away from all of that. Um, Interesting. And so then... I was his safety person. He and I, you know, talked about a lot of hard stuff and we definitely just kissed the first time for the first time after that six weeks. And then, and then things got hot and heavy quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we yes, like, you had built up all this yes. tension, we'll say. Right, right. So we, um, yeah, we definitely started dating. We were like giggly little teenagers because both of us being solo parents, we both had kids at home. Mm -hmm. And so we lived a mile apart from each other. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, okay, so what do like, where do teenagers go to hook up? Seriously. Like, <laughs> where, where what do you sneaking? do this? <laughs> is there a parking lot available or? <laughs> oh my God. The number like, of messages I get about like, I just had sex in my car for the right? first time ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're like, what is happening? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Um, so yes, a lot of after hours sneaking in, um, <laughs> because my kids are younger, you know, I always wanted to come home and let the sitter go or whatever. Um, yeah. his daughter stayed out with friends a lot. Um, but I always wanted to come back. And so, yes, a lot of after hours hanging out. Um, but you know, it was, it just felt so comfortable. Um, I think for both of us just to have that like wholeness again, yeah. um, we did a lot of family dinners. And so it was very 
not the way I envisioned it. If I had started dating somebody like on my own terms, I guess, like I didn't sure. think I'd be like jumping in with the kids and hanging out all the time and multiple times a week. But I think because it felt like that friendship at first um, and the kids had already met, it just was it just happened. More, just happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you guys took a trip together. We did. So we took, we went away one weekend in October, like the five of us kind of went away together. We rented a house and it was funny because we were like, it was our first time all kind of like staying together and it was only a couple months into dating. Um, so we get to the place and, and all of us are bringing in our suitcases and he and I were like, like, are we going to stay in separate rooms? Like, how is this going to work? You know? Yeah. And we walk in and the kids are like, okay, so that's the parents room over there. And then the kids mm. room is over here. And we're like, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are cool with that. <laughs> so we set up the parents room and I knew though, my son, he likes to sleep in the bed with me. So he sure enough, was in the bed in the middle of the night. And yeah, <laughs> but all of that, again, just felt it didn't feel as weird as uncomfortable as I thought it would. Um, sure. And I didn't, I didn't feel guilty. Like, you know, people talk about feeling guilty the first time they have sex after losing their spouse. And I, I don't, I didn't feel that. I think the hardest mm-hmm. part I had um, with all of it was just probably me overthinking and overanalyzing everything and then taking mm-hmm. it in everybody's outside opinions and judgments. Yeah. His friends and family welcomed me with open arms. I think they thought it made sense for me to be around. Sure. They knew it was really soon for him that he needed to process losing his wife, but they, I think they thought I was helping him with that, which I, which I was yeah. in a way that nobody else could help him with that. Yeah. So... Uh, for me, the hardest part definitely was just going, oh my gosh, what do my friends think of this? What does my family think of this? What, my, what does Eric's parents think of this? You know, just the constant overanalyzing of it all. Mm-hmm. Is this the right person? Is this the person for me? And that's I mean, how you and I became really good friends. <laughs> <laughs> because we just messaged each other all of our crazy thoughts nonstop. All yes. of that shit. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> this person said this. So now what do I do? <laughs> yeah. I feel like when right around that time when you guys were traveling and that's when you and I got really close because yes. we were both like, what is going on? Right. Like, what is this? How do you process it? It's just so much. So we started, you know, we kind of started dating at the end of August and then it was like birthdays and holidays and my husband's birthday. And it was just, so I feel like October to March are like my really hard six months because it's both Mm -hmm. of my kids' birthdays, all the holidays. And it's just so many grief waves that come through all of that. Yeah. And guy I was dating, he was wanting to spend Thanksgiving together and Christmas together. And I was like, I just don't know how I feel about that, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, and do you really want to, don't you want to have like some time with just you and your daughter? Um, and he was like, no. So he definitely dealt with things by, he wanted to be busy. He wanted to be surrounded by people. He wanted to not have any quiet downtime because he did not like feeling lonely and sad. Yeah. Whereas I still was in phases of needing to be alone and sad. You know, I mean, I would just tell him, I'm like, I just need to be sad today. (laughs) You know, I just, Mm -hmm. I need that. And, and that was something really hard for him to, to understand because he didn't like to be sad. So why would I need to be sit around and be sad? (laughs) Yeah. Like, why would you be sad? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta get it out sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. It builds up. 
So yeah, and then we did the New York trip. Um, mm-hmm. That was right before the holidays. And going into December, I was starting to question my feelings and yeah. whether or not I wanted to be in the relationship. I was just feeling so overwhelmed. I was exhausted. I was trying to balance everything. You know, it was definitely back to work full time. The kids have multiple nights a week of sports and practices. It's so much. He wanted to go out multiple nights a week. And I was so exhausted. I, He and I tried to do a nice dinner once a week and then spend a couple more nights together during the week, whether it was with the kids or without the kids. Yeah. I was like, how can I balance all of this? Yeah. And when I tried to pull back a little bit, it I think it hurt his feelings. He was like, it made him feel confused, like you're kind of being hot and cold. And I was, you know, I was confused. I was hot and cold. I didn't, yeah. I was just all over the place. Like how, what is happening? (laughs) Like you said, like, Mm -hmm. what is happening? (laughs) I kept saying like, I just don't think I feel that spark, you know? And I, Mm -hmm. I think I compared to the feelings I had for Eric at 18. And is that going to be the same at 41 after losing your husband and having kids? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's still something I'm trying to figure out. I don't know if that I've had the butterflies and I had that excitement with him but I don't know, is it supposed to last for two years? Like it did at 18 is, I don't, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Do you want me to say something about that or no? Yes. <laughs> I, I feel like everybody's experiences are going to be so different, but it's weird how this has happened for me because there was so much questioning at the beginning. Cause I was just like, it all feels like so wrong sort of, and like just off, you know, right. like there's a lot of great, exciting parts, but then it feels off. But then like, now it's like a year and a half later. Now I'm like, oh yeah, like I, I have butterflies still, and I'm feeling like all those lovey feelings now. Right? Like, why did it take me so long? Yeah, I think. Yeah. So what ended up happening? So basically, I you know was questioning my feelings and and not quite sure. I felt a full spark, and I was exhausted. And I just said, listen, I you know after we went on a trip again, the five of us to New York, and it was magical, and we had a great time, and. Um, we all got along well, we traveled together well, we did a ton of fun stuff. Um, but I just knew I needed to take a step back. Um, and, you know, I think kind of the exhaustion of the holidays leading up to the second anniversary of Eric's death, I just needed to sit in my feelings for a little while. Um, and, and processing this first relationship and, and intimacy again, and, thinking about um, having a new family and a new life. And all of that was just really weighing on me. And I know I needed to to kind of take a step back because I felt like he wanted to continue to take it more and more serious. And I didn't know if I was ready at that point yeah. for that. Um, yeah. And so I said, you know, let, let's take a break or I just want to end things for now. Um, and I, and he was really devastated and, and really hurt. I think when you go through, um, a suicide loss, especially of a spouse, um, your confidence is so damaged. Um, mm-hmm. you just have such a sense of rejection. Um, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I did, I still do to some extent about Eric, like this is, this yeah. is the love of my life. And he decided to leave, Um, Mm. and it, and it hurts and it makes you feel so unlovable, um, and so rejected. And I know for the guy that I was with, he felt the same way, um, after his wife. And then subsequently when I broke up with him, it really, it really hurt him. 
Um, yeah. but we managed to stay friends. Um, so we still texted every day, still flirted a decent amount. Um, yeah. you know, we still had stayed exchanged. I, had you exchanged? I love yous at that point. No. Okay. So no, we had not, we, um, we stayed emotionally connected for, you know, the next three or four months. Um, and I was able to kind of reflect and take some time to myself. And then I thought, well, maybe I'd like to give the relationship another try. And then at that point I realized that he had started dating somebody Mm. and that kind of ended things between the two of us. I took it really, really hard. Um, Mm -hmm. It really, it really broke my heart. Um, He was my person for 10 months the person I texted all day throughout the day, joked around with, you know, had kind of become my new best friend. And then again, all of a sudden that was over and it felt like another death. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know from talking to you during that time that just the pain of that, I think there was this brief period where we were sort of both experiencing that together Mm -hmm. for like a month or so. Mm -hmm. And just the overwhelming pain. Like I, I can't really compare it to life before because I didn't have this kind of experience in my life before, but I I don't like, is it a normal breakup feeling or is this just like, oh my God, the compounding grief with the breakup is hard. Right. And the shared trauma and the vulnerability, like it, yeah, it was really hard. It was, I thought, you know, come on, I can do this. I'm, you know, I've been through this horrible loss with my husband and, you know, I've overcome that or I'm overcoming it or healing or whatever. And then, but this was just a, a another blow I wasn't prepared for. I, I didn't realize how much it was going to hurt and how much time it was going to take me to process what seemingly sounds like a short relationship. Um, and yeah, so but it also takes like this intense self-discipline that like, I just feel like who's got the energy for that at this stage of life? Right. No. You're sort of in love with this person who's out there and you want to talk to and you have to restrain yourself. Right. So that's been a big learning process for me about dating with (laughs) technology and social Mm -hmm. media and the ability that they're right there at the tips of our fingers to text or to communicate with and they're alive. And so you want to talk to them. Yeah, of (laughs) course. And I've had to uh, unfollow on social media and not because he was putting anything out there that was disrespectful or mean or anything like that. Not at all. But my therapist finally had to say, you can't control what he's doing in his life. And he's in this new relationship. She's like, but you can control what pain you're going to subject yourself to. Um, And, you know, looking at, pictures on social media or messaging him, um, is, is pain that you can control. So, so stop hurting yourself essentially. Mm-hmm. And I think that finally clicked yeah, because I thought like, okay, he's a really important friend. I really want to stay in touch with him. I want to talk to him. I want to know, you know, I loved his daughter. You get yeah. attached. Um, I'm invested in, in their lives and what happens to them. Yeah. And it's been really hard to kind of just completely, um, end that. Yeah. Do you feel like some of the pain of the breakup has dissipated a bit? Yes, for sure. Six months. Okay. Yes. So probably within the past month or so it is finally, I kind of had to get through a couple 
the fall triggered me because that's when we kind of started dating and, mm. you know, there was an event that was held in, in honor of his wife and that was hard to not be a part of. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to get through a couple steps and then I, I do feel like in the past month or so it's, I've, I'm at a much better place with it. Yeah. Okay. So how much dating have you done after that or playing around the apps or what's so, it been like? When I found out he was dating somebody, <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> download Bumble, download Hinge. <laughs> Let's see what's going on out there. You can play um, game. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like went, I like became the, like an aggressive speed dater. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm doing this. high pop in a bar and let the men come in. So literally I kept setting up these dates once a week at the same place. And my friend was like, you oh my have God. to stop. They're going to think that you're a, an escort. <laughs> you have did to you go to a different the, place. <laughs> did you tell the people at the restaurant, like you're going to be seeing me every week? <laughs> no. <laughs> But basically, I would be like, okay, I'm going to message. I can't. So the, the apps are really hard for me. I don't have patience for the back and forth. It's not fun for me. I'm not flirty. Yeah. Like, I like ask me out or don't. Like, we need to yeah. move on from this online te- texting. So yeah. honestly, I so I went on one date a week for like five weeks in a row at the same place. But these were from <laughs> the apps, right? They were, yes. Okay. okay. Um, it was all me being like, Hey, let's meet, you know, I, because yeah. I didn't have time to go. I just didn't have the energy to go back and forth with people. I'd be like, Hey, do you want to meet in person? Let's do this. Yeah. And, and that was, that was fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't meet the love of my life that way. And the, but the, they were all fine. I mean, the, the guys were all very nice. I actually went on a date with another widower as well. That was set up from a friend. Um, and he was nice too. I, I think it's, interesting to date another widow or widower because uh, your grieving methods can be different and that can mm-hmm. be a challenge I think so I know with the guy I did date for a while like like I said he wanted to just stay busy he wanted to um, not sit and be alone yeah. with himself or even just him and his daughter the other thing I found a little bit difficult between a widow and a widower is that a lot of times the the men have people that just swoop in and do everything for them. Um, uh-huh. You know, like arrange everything for their children and like the whole church community or the yes, whole, yes, whatever. All the Everybody in-laws just- take care of the kids, all the, you know, you know, the one guy I went out on a date with, I was like, what's your daughter doing this summer? She was six. He's like, Oh, I don't know. Somebody will figure it out. <laughs> Really? Like, oh, okay, because my kids are scheduled on a weekly basis at different camps that I've arranged and have to get them there and have them picked up and all the things, you know, like, oh. I, I got a little bitter with that, I think, as far as, yeah. <laughs> you know, just the fact that there's just this kind of a double standard. So I do want to say here, like, if there are men listening who disagree <laughs> with that, I, I really want to know, you know, because I think that that is certain, that is definitely the perception. Like, that's my perception that men have more help than women do because women are just sort of expected to do it all. Um, So I'm curious from the men who are listening, if you disagree, so you can email me or message me. (laughs) Were any of those, did you go on more than one date? One guy I didn't. So I would go on these dates to the same brewery and then (laughs) my next task would be to play pickleball. (laughs) And I'm like, If I beat you in pickleball, you're out. (laughs) If you made it through the brewery stage, then you get to pickleball and you must beat me in order to get to date three. 
So that guy was out on day two because I killed him. So <laughs> was it just so unattractive to you that he couldn't beat you? That... Correct. Yes. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> I'm like, okay. This is why this is going nowhere. Um, okay. <laughs> Maybe date three should be you playing a sport that you're bad at and they're good at. I'm not bad at any sports. And then maybe, oh. <laughs> Well, we love a girl with confidence. Oh, no. I'm just teasing. Maybe they but I'm very, I am very competitive, and I do need um, an athletic guy yeah. and a competitor, and that kind of banter is, is fun to me. Okay, um, totally. So then I did I did get set up. Um, you know, people in our community look out for me and want to set me up, but most of the time they're like, I have somebody in mind, but they're not good enough for you. Like, that just is what I hear yeah. constantly. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like, why are they in your mind if they're not going to exactly? Because <laughs> they're the only single person in town. Um, <laughs> so then I did date an, an attorney, really nice guy, for about six weeks this summer. He was going through a divorce, so that was kind of a new experience. So, and he was he was so nice. He was so emotionally available. He would have mm. made a great husband and father to my children. Oh. I also beat him in pickleball. Oh um, shit! That's where he lost you. <laughs> and he was—he was a really, really great guy. Um, and I, I think probably, and you know, if I'm being honest with myself, at that time I was not over the other guy. It was yeah. um, part of what was going on during that. You know, I, again, I just didn't feel that spark in that chemistry. Yeah. I think mostly from the beginning with this guy, it was, mm -hmm. I just was like, oh, you're so nice. And I really want to try this and, and keep giving it a try. Um, yeah. And, and he was great to hang out with for, we hung out for about six weeks and he was really nice. Yeah. So you've broken many men's hearts already. <laughs> I'm and really an expert at this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if, you know, I follow Finding Mr. Height, like I listen to her podcast and mm -hmm. she has these text scripts. So like, do you have saved in your phone somewhere your, this is not the connection for me text? No, that's <laughs> genius. <laughs> and then you could share it with the community. You help us all out. No, I mean, and embarrassingly, even the guy that I was very involved with, I did kind of end things over text with him too. I'm like, this is so embarrassing. Like, how can I not do this? And, I, and we were supposed to get together and talk, but then I think he got upset with me. So I, I have ended everything via text, <laughs> which is just, but, well, but as you know, I don't like to talk on the phone. I don't like to FaceTime. But you communicate very well in writing. So yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> All right. So where's your mindset now? Where do you stand? So right now I am completely off the apps. I just am at a point where I want to be present in, in life um, and with my kids and what we're doing. I am open if somebody wants to set me up. Um, I'm definitely open to that. I was on the apps for the past couple months again, and I just, just am not into it, you know? And so I just, you know, the energy it takes to kind of swipe through and message people here and there. And I kept setting up dates and then canceling them. And I'm like, I just, mm. why am I doing this? You know, why, yeah. if I'm, if my heart is not into dating that way right now, then I'm not going to put my energy into that. Yeah. So I'm just kind of going out with girlfriends when I can, when I have the energy for it and just trying to take life as it comes right now, which is not, yeah. is that, that is against my grain. <laughs> mm. Just going with the flow. Right. <laughs> well, maybe when we go to Costa Rica, yes. there will be an opportunity for some beach makeouts. <laughs> <laughs> and then just 
text him that I'm leaving the country. <laughs> Bye. Why not? Okay, that's not on the itinerary for the trip, but maybe it will be a spontaneous. <laughs> thing. Yes, okay. <laughs> okay, let's do a couple of the quick questions. Okay. So you did the dating apps. You did. Did you stay on Match? No, I didn't stay on it for very long. I've done. Okay. I've done. I've done a lot of them. Um, Tell us like, all. Of them, okay, please. so I did Match. I've done Hinge. I've done Bumble. Then I did not do Tinder, but Hinge and Bumble have been my main two that I've used. Okay. Any dabbling in like Okay Cupid or Stir or? Oh, I did do Stir because I think I saw an ad for that. But in my mind, I was like, oh, it'll be the people that are like it's no different than the other ones because they mm-hmm. all have kids and mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like I'm a widow and I have my kids full time. Like we are, you know, it was like, yeah, yeah. I get my kids once a month and yeah. So yeah. You're like, just like every other single dude who's in his forties <laughs> on the dating app. Right. Right, Except exactly. for the standouts. I have this issue with the dating apps that like the standouts never have kids. Have you noticed that? You know how Hinge does those standouts? Oh, yes. And it's yes. always. But half of them are fake. Single no kids guys. Some of them I'm are just fake. Like, yes. Really? They're from Europe. And uh, have a six pack. They're all in their bed. Good to be true. <laughs> I think they're fake. I'm like, no. <laughs> I've actually messaged with a couple of those and they're like robots. I'll be like, my husband died. And they're like, what are you doing later? And I'm like, this, <laughs> you are not a real person. <laughs> for real? Yes. They're very, oh there's, there's some robots on there for sure. <laughs> so dating apps, how about sleepovers in your bed? Yes. Um, okay. That did happen. Yes. And yeah, go ahead. At one point, my son came and got in the bed in the middle of the night and I was in between the guy and my son and I got out to go to the bathroom and they said they both popped their heads up and like looked at each other and then <laughs> <Okay>. went back to <laughs> Like, okay. Okay. You're here. Cool. And then the next morning my son was like, um, did he have a sleepover? And I'm like, yep. I love that he asked the question as if it was unclear. He, so he told funny. me that, um, my son, after I broke things off with the attorney via text, he goes, mom, just so you know, if you ever want a husband, you're going to have to stop breaking up with people. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. Come on. <laughs> you tell him it is important to have high standards to meet my own expectations. Thank you, seven-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you see yourself getting married again someday? I would like to. Yes. Um, yeah. I definitely want to be married again. Any more kids? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. What did you do or what do you do about swiping somebody who looks like Eric or with his name? So who looks like Eric, I don't think I have a problem with. Um, a lot of guys kind of look like Eric. He had a beard, mm-hmm. and, you know, <laughs> they all have yeah. beards. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, I don't have a problem with that. The name Eric for sure has been a, a hard thing for me. So far I've swiped no on those, but I think if I met somebody that had his name that I had a connection with, I don't think that would be off the table. Yeah, fair enough. Um, are you putting your widow status on your profile? I, I put it on sometimes and I take it off sometimes. I added yeah. it on recently. I was like, let me see if this helps. <laughs> 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 it didn't. <laughs> but, I um, feel like I did that too. I was like, what are the stats going to be around having this or not having it? Or right. having yes. pictures of the kids or not having pictures of the kids? Yes, I've gone through all that too. But um, yeah, most recently I did put it on there. But again, like it doesn't even, don't even mention it. They don't even, you know, or if I bring it up, it's a very, it's very blown off. Maybe like, I'm sorry, but no, like follow up questions. I don't know. I just have a, Mm -hmm. I have a hard time with the people that don't want to ask questions or dig deep 
before we go out, you know, like I know some of that can wait for the first meeting, but I'm like, yeah. have you seen the song? Like, ask me a fucking question. Have you seen the bump? Oh, I have to yeah, it's so yes, funny. yes, yes. So funny. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I feel like I had conversations with people who didn't like, I had it on the profile for a while. They didn't mention it and that didn't bother me. But like, if we were in conversation about it, right. I wanted an empathetic response. Yes, I, don't, I don't think that they should mention it right off the bat necessarily. Like say, Oh, I noticed in your profile, you're a widow. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I think that's weird. But if I say something like, you know, then yes, I think they should at least give us some sort of compassionate response, but yeah, I'd say that's a good indicator whether or not they're dateable. <laughs> Swipe left. Um, let's talk widow's fire. Took a while for it to kick in. So I have this funny story that I told my friends about maybe like eight months in after losing Eric. Um, I was like sitting, folding laundry or something. And you know, like when you think your phone's in your pocket and, and, and like you think it's vibrating, like you're getting a text message. Yeah. Um, well, my vagina started doing that. <laughs> it was like randomly, <laughs> my, like when you get like an eye twitch. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so like, I'm That's like, what happens oh. when I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Hello, vagina. Yes. <laughs> it started like buzzing. <laughs> like literally like, hello, I'm down here. You need to wake me up. <laughs> yes. Remember um, me? Yes. So I laugh and think that was my first, that was the spark of the widow's fire. But no, I, mm. <laughs> it definitely really took me a good year to like feel <laughs> like I wanted intimacy again. But then yes, yeah. it was, it was on after that. Okay. Okay, so let's talk about your song recommendations quick. Yes, yeah, so one of the ones I recommended was it's called I Am Here by Pink. Yeah, um, okay. It kind of became my summer anthem because I was mm. having such a hard time after that breakup. Um, and I was listening to a lot of teenage angst music. I don't know if you're mm. familiar with Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, yes. Um, my daughter's on door. But she sings about her driver's license. And that's when I had to come to terms with the fact that I'm not 16 and I need to stop crying. (laughs) (laughs) Like I need a new playlist. (laughs) (laughs) So I found this song pink. I am here. And it's just, you know, one of the lines from it is I've already seen the bottom and there's nothing to fear. You know, I am here. Mm -hmm. Like I have to live. I have to be here. Um, that's not what I planned, but yeah. Are you still in that headspace sort of of like, I have to do this and it's like, this is the shitty lot I've been given? Or do you feel like you're moving past that a little? Um, I have my days um, yeah. for sure. I still I still am a little bit stuck in that. You know, I've heard you talk about it and I've, I've talked about it too, just feeling like you're like going through the mud, you know, just mm-hmm. like walking through endless mud that you can't get out of that heaviness. Yeah. Um, it's better. I tend to perk up a little bit around like spring and summer and like, Ooh, I want to like go out and do fun things. And my kid's schedule isn't as busy, but then back to the routine and the monotony of the school and sports, it just feels a little heavy sometimes. Yeah. Um, Okay. Your second song is life is wonderful by Jason Mraz. One of my faves. So that was um, a song that Eric and I liked a lot. I played it as celebration of life. We, um, we got engaged in Costa Rica in 2008 and we made like a video of our trip. And that was the song that was, that was in that video. Um, and I just mm. like the lines, it takes no time to fall in love, but it takes years to know what love is. Mm. And I just think that that sums up a lot of what all of us are going through. Totally. Is this we're taking together going to be your first time back there since being engaged? Um, okay. So we went as a family in 2019. Um, to okay. Costa Rica. 
But still, I'm sure that'll be a little emotional to be there. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. My final two questions. Mm-hmm. The first one is, how do you feel like you've changed the most or what have you learned the most? So I think that, and it's honestly been through the breakup that I've had to kind of dig deep into some of this, um, is that I had to come to terms with the fact that I felt rejected by Eric and and this whole feeling of feeling unlovable um, mm-hmm. and then going through the breakup and feeling that again um, and feeling like I'm too much for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been something that I've had to overcome and I'm trying to now change that mindset and say, no, I'm not too much. I'm, I'm so much and I'm so much, mm-hmm. I have so much to give. I have so much love to give. Um, I have so much to offer another person to myself, to my kids. And so I've had to dig deep and really just learn to love myself again. You know, I was really surprised at how much I was affected by this breakup. And I think a breakup post loss can really bring up a lot of grief again, and maybe in a more profound way than, than I was expecting. Mm. But I also think that if it's a good relationship, that love is always worth it, mm. even if it doesn't last forever. I think human connection is always worth it. I feel really grateful that I got to mm. be in that relationship, that I got to laugh and flirt and have fun. I feel like I was deeply cared for during that time. I got mm. to be held again. It's helped me not be as afraid, I think, going forward. Mm, that's I good. Th- think that my next great love is out there and it makes me excited and hopeful to experience that again and those feelings again because they really are wonderful feelings and worth it. I was talking about to someone else recently who's just like treated really poorly by someone and of course I have this worry that like you know everyone's initial fear is like, I don't want to get hurt again. Right. And I had in the back of my mind some concern about like, I mean, you know, we want to tell the truth, right? Of course. And like, be honest about the experience, but like, just worry that people are going to be like, see, that's why I don't want to date. Right. Right. And I think, I think that's my point to helping people here is that it, it, it does hurt. I mean, there's no doubt yeah. about it. That breakup hurt. And even though I, I ended things first, the, the result was still painful, but I still am grateful for that connection. Like I said, now I'm less afraid. I think the other thing too, not worrying so much about outside opinion, Mm. you know, my own inner thoughts, my own questioning and comparison, plus everybody else's opinions, hopefully moving forward can take less of that into consideration and more of just my feelings. Yeah, that is so hard. That's always been really hard for me. I'm like constantly filtering what people are thinking about me. It's really hard for me to do that still. But you know, like some people are just like, you do you. And I'm like, I'm trying really hard, but that's not really, (laughs) can't. Well, me doing me is overanalyzing everything and worrying what everybody, (laughs) you know, I'm a people pleaser. I, you know, I know that about myself, but at the end of the day, I I have to also please myself and be happy for myself and, and do what's best for me and and my kids. Totally. I think that's really good. I think people need to hear that. I think the apps too, people can be really afraid of. And I, and I definitely was at first too. Um, but they're really not that bad. And I think there's really decent people out there to find. Um, and for the most part, the conversations have been just normal, you know, brief interactions with other humans and they're, they're really not that scary and meeting people in life really isn't that scary, but I, but I get that it is 
at first. Um, and so I think if you can just get a couple of dates under your belt, mm-hmm. I think that people can find it to be much easier after that. Yeah. And you ultimately control it, right? So it's like, right. you can take or people as much and, as you want. Exactly. Yes. I have not received any dick pics yet. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. <laughs> I know. But the dating apps, I was like, if you're on there, then other good people are on there. Yes. Yes. You know? For sure. There's, yes, there's definitely there's good people out there for sure. <laughs> and then the final question is, what is one thing you're really looking forward to? So I always look forward to travel with my kids. I always have something planned for us. We're going to San Francisco together after the holidays. Yeah. And then right now, I think I'm just looking forward to just being, right? So I took the first 16 months and, and analyzed and analyzed and analyzed Eric's death mm. and, and the whys and the suicide and the what could I have done and just the exhaustion of thinking through that and then the exhaustion of thinking through a new relationship and what everybody else was thinking and how, was I doing it right? Was it How was it affecting the kids? Yeah. Um, and so I think right now I'm at a point where I just want to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I want to be present and just kind of see what comes at us right now in life yeah. and enjoy the joyful moments. You know, the grief is going to be there, but really yeah. just enjoy the joy. Yeah. I love that. This was fun, Christina. I also really just wanted to say thank you to you. I'm so proud of you for doing this. I think this is so awesome that you've put this together. And I just really am grateful to you and then to all your guests that have come on and been brave and shared their stories and helped. I've listened to every single episode and it's helped (laughs) me navigate my inner crazies. (laughs) You know, I hope that some of this can help somebody out there as well. I think this is helpful, don't you? It's like you want to know what's coming. You want to know that sometimes things are going to be shitty. And I know some of you also want to hear that there are others who are just dating and it's not going very well at the moment, right? Or you're dating and not meeting somebody wonderful and like life still goes on and that's an opportunity to view your life in a different way for the time being and that's okay too. Dang, just like Christina said, I feel like just really grateful for all the guests who have been on the show and share their stories. And then also those of you who share so openly on Instagram or who message me and share. So um, speaking of sharing, maybe you heard Christina's coming to Costa Rica. Um, we are having our meetup this weekend, November 5th on Zoom to all just hang out a little bit. So there are actually eight spots left on this trip and it'd be cool if you signed up before this Zoom meeting so that you could be included, but the trip won't close for a little while still. So the group of women who are coming on this trip are really incredible and I'm so excited. All right, everybody until next week. Bye-bye.